0: You can let the leaders of your life group who are shepherding you under the pastor shepherdship, that you have shepherds within these groups that are going to find out what your needs are, and in many instances, those groups are going to be able to, even before we know, before the elders have to deal with it, that it's already done, it's already dealt with, amen? So if you're not a part of a life group, life groups are not what we do, it's who we are. That is how the church is going to grow. So if you're not supporting a life group, then you're not helping our church grow. Mm. Amen. 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 They met from house to house, and the Lord continued to add to their numbers. That's right in the scriptures. Amen. So we're not making up anything new. Continue to join us every Monday through Friday for the first 15 minutes of prayer. Hasn't that been a blessing? Hasn't that been life-changing? Amen. 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 So I believe that our church, the heartbeat of our church is stronger than it's ever been because of the ministry of prayer. As we are moving forward to, I'm counting down. We're already in Middletown. You guys need to get yourself geared up and ready, not waiting until we get there to start working. You need to be working right now and asking God, and God put this on my heart, is um, to instead of asking people or telling people what to do, uh, we have made needs known, but I'm asking people, how do you feel God wants you to serve in this ministry? So begin, if you're not serving, to ask the Lord to reveal to you what, it, what is it that you can do to support the pastor's vision that God gave so that we can make an impact for eternity. Amen. You and I together get to make an impact for eternity. Somebody say amen. amen. It is so good to see Cody. In the house, all the way from Dallas, Texas. We're not mad at you because you live in Dallas. Amen. As long as you don't convert to become a cowboy fan, and you can, as long as you got Victor on your side, you will always be an Eagles. We're going to make you an honorary Eagles fan. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to thank you, Brother Ed, for ministering to our hearts today. Amen. Amen, amen, and I, uh, I don't want to forget anyone, but if I had to charge it to my head, not to my heart, thank all of you. This ministry is as great as it is because of you, because of you. Somebody say amen and give yourselves a hand clap, amen. Now, would you stand as we turn our attention to um, our, our sermon for today, which is in Psalm 91, Psalm 91, beginning in December I'm going to start a series entitled Fight for Your Family. Fight for your family. Don't give up on your family. And uh, that'll probably be the second week in December. Um, please, prepare by praying for that. Uh, there are many families that are really undergoing spiritual attack right now. I'm going to ask that you would turn that towards me, my brother. amen, amen. Amen. I know it's warm up in here, but y'all like it that way, but we'll, we'll just suffer it to be so. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we're so humbled that you have chosen to use us. God, we actually get to change the, turn the pages of salvation history as we lead people through the saving knowledge of the gospel into a personal relationship with you. Father, when we are in your presence, there's a connection that is is made from heaven to earth. And God, when that occurred, we are able to join with the angelic host and worship you. Father God, I pray that in the busyness of our lives that we would not be distracted and church would not simply be another checkoff on the many things that we do. Visit with us right now. We invite you to come in. We are responding to the knock on the doors of our heart. We need a word. So, God, we ask that you would do what only you know how to do. Speak, Jesus, that we might be more like you. We pray for our brother who is in New York, even right now. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray. I know what it feels like to have a broken heart. Protect him, O God. Shield him, O God. May he know that you are the source of his strength and his joy and that you have already made a way for his good and your divine glory. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. Am I only one in here? Praise God. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may. Amen. We're going to uh, also look at passage of scripture uh, in Psalm 91. Amen. Amen. We got to stand up. Okay. All right. That's okay. We can get it a little confused sometime, can't we? All right. I want to pick up in verse 10 where it says in Psalm 91, no evil shall befall you. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set love. His love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. What you doing putting the scriptures after prayer and of this thing? Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Run. Run to the hiding place. Run to the hiding place. As a child growing up in the early <clears throat> 60s, <clears throat> to clear my throat, there was always a threat of a nuclear attack from the hands of our arch enemy, Russia. There was also the concern for, we didn't call them category 5, 4, 3, but living in the North, there was the danger of devastating hurricanes. Now to prepare for an air attack or hurricane there would be an annual emergency alarm that would sound throughout the city it was so loud i believe that even the dead could possibly wake up that's how loud that siren was some of you old i mean some of you all know about that Elder Gray. (laughs) Amen. He's just as old as me. When you heard the alert, it automatically meant go to your hiding place. We had a hiding place in our house that was under the, the front, the steps that led upstairs, and it was a half closet that no one ever used except... For emergencies. And so, my brothers and sisters, when the alarm would sound, would run into this place that we considered safe as a shelter in a hiding place. And as long as we were inside of the shelter, we felt like we were secure that nothing could happen to us. We understood until that alarm, that siren stopped, you were to remain in your hiding place. So, once that deafening sound ended, we would all come out and be happy that we were still in the land of the living. Now, as I reflect on that experience of running to our hiding place, that made us feel secure. I now realize that we were not as safe as we thought. First of all, if there was a nuclear attack, <laughs> we were just going to have the fortune of dying together in the same place, because that little room was not uh, nuclear warhead proof. The room was so small that our parents couldn't fit in. So something happened. They just were dead. We were wanted we under- to survive. There was no food, there was no water. Uh, There were no metal doors or locks, so if somebody found us, they could just easily kick the door in. Our shelter was not fireproof. It really wasn't safe at all, but we thought it was. But I realized that it is not, in fact, it was not. I don't know what you're trusting in for your safety and security. But if it doesn't include God, you're not safe, you're not secure. In a world of violence, brutality, and war, where innocent people are searching for a hiding place, a place to feel safe, just a place to lay their head down, babies being blown up, mothers being slaughtered, and families being burned alive in their cars, just looking for a safe place. The writer in Psalm 91 declares to us that there is a safe place. There is a safe place. And here's what he says in verses 1 and 2 about the safe place. He who dwells or whoever dwells, lives, or resides in the secret place of the Most High, of El Shaddai, abides under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my safe place, and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Tell somebody, run to the hiding place. I didn't say a hiding place. The hiding place. Now, as we look more closely at Psalm 91, which was probably written by Moses and later added to the collection of the Psalms by King David when he compilated or put, it, put the, the uh, 150 books together. Uh, he was the one who added Psalm 91. What we discovered that there are two primary theological or hermeneutical views on how this passage should be understood, how we should interpret this passage. There are two schools of thought. One group of Bible uh, students believe that Psalm 91 is not to be taken literally, but to be understood as a prayer that you read when someone's in trouble and needs reassuring so that they will have a sense of safety. And so, what we would do if you take the position that you interpret this not to be understood as all of the things that Psalm says, this Psalm says, actually do happen and, and will happen. Instead, if you're talking to somebody that's sick, you, you simply begin to read the Psalm, intending for them to receive it as if you're praying. A blessing of protection over them. Let me just share uh, with an example of this. He says, A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand on your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. And it says, No evil shall befall you nor shall any plague nor de- or any disease come near your dwelling so what we what we understand is as you go through and says no evil shall befall you that evil does come into the life of a believer we understand that Christians are not exempt from covid we understand that thousands of believers died as a result of the plague called COVID. And so while the scripture says no evil, no disease shall come near your house, what it's actually saying is I'm praying that that will not be your experience. So when we go through Psalm 91, this is actually a prayer that God will release the promises that are recorded into your actual experience. Now the second group of students of the Scripture teach that, the Psalm, that Psalm 91 is to be understood literally as promises from God that believers should expect and claim. You, it's a promise from God, and you should name it and claim it and declare it. And here's an example on verse 13 of Psalm 91 where it says, You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, and you shall trample underfoot. Now, this is consistent with what is recorded in Mark chapter 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, you will pick up snakes in your hands, and when you drink deadly poison, it will not hurt you. They will place their hands on on sick people, and they will get well. And so the position of the second group is that Christians never get sick, that trouble will stop at your neighbor's house and skip your house. But when you come to my unit at Christiana Hospital and your mom's lying in the bed and she's dying from a terminal illness, instead of acknowledging that you are pleading the blood of Jesus and saying that the devil can't have your mother, when in fact the reality is the Bible says it is appointed unto me. All of us are going to die. And so, but there is a group that literally believes that Christians never get sick. <laughs> I'm not sick. <laughs> yeah, I know I just got diagnosed with, her. Ah, but I'm not sick. You know. So that's the second group that this is to be understood to be literal, and you should claim it when the doctor gives you the diagnosis and you say, nope, that doesn't, will never befall me. That's not going to be my experience. And keep your medicine. Thank you. <laughs> now, I take a different position from the, the, uh, the scholars that say this is to be understood for, for as a prayer and from those who say this is a promise to claim. I believe it's a combination of both. That is, you, this is the most, one of the most powerful passages of Scripture in the Bible, and when I'm dying, when I'm sick, read this passage over me. Keep it rolling, keep this rotating. But I also believe that the promises are only applicable based on the will of God for your life. That so I can claim that this sickness won't come upon me if God has not chosen to allow me to experience that illness at any given time. What I do know is that the promises of this passage give me the confidence that I will never be overcome by whatever life experiences are because the one who I dwell in is my protector. He is my protector. And so this is a combination of practical and promises that we can claim based on whatever your life circumstances may be at any time. Anybody take that by faith. Somebody say amen. 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 Now, the first question that comes to my mind as I'm going through the scripture is, where is the hiding place? Where is the hiding place? First thing that comes to my mind when I think about a hiding place is a location, an unlisted location. (laughs) A place where if you're trying to find it, it's blocked on your phone. It is not available uh, to the public. It's a private place. It is a physical place where you can run and feel safe. But when you look at the Hebrew word that is used for secret place in Psalm 91, it's used in a very interesting way. The word is kathar, kathar in verse 9. He says, uh, it, it reveals that the hiding place is really not a location, but a person. My hiding place is not the shelter that comes from being in this building, but it's based on my, in, my intimacy with the God who allows me to be in the building. And so the hiding place of Psalm 91 is not a building, it's not a location, it's not a place, it's a person. Amen. Somebody say amen. In uh, verse 9 it says, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, my shelter, my safe place... Even the most high, your dwelling place. So the Lord is my shelter. The Lord is my safe place. He is the place I run to when I have to hide. The Almighty that hides us is described in John chapter 4, verse 24. It says that God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The secret place is really a person who is an invisible shield that protects us from the enemy. Yes. God is spirit, invisible, intangible, has no weight. We cannot see him. We cannot f- uh, smell God. But he's present. He, in fact, the Bible says he, omni- he is everywhere present at the same time. Yes. And so this protection, this shelter, this safe place, this secure place is in him, and it's like an invisible shield that is around me yes. that hides me from the enemy. That hides me from the enemy. The shield who is God act, is activated and empowered to protect us because he is El Shaddai. He's El Shaddai. The word, the Hebrew word uh, for almighty, God almighty is El Shaddai, which means the all sufficient one, the God who is enough, the one who will meet your deepest need no matter what it is. He is El Shaddai. Shaddai. Paul talked about this God in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, I prayed three times that the Lord would remove the thorn from my flesh. And he said, my grace, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. And so this God, the El Shaddai, who is my shelter, the invisible God who hides me and protects me from my enemy, he is sufficient. He is enough to keep me from harm. Now, the invisible shield hides us from the enemy. Therefore, he cannot destroy us. Think of it like this. Uh, This is what I was going to do, and I changed my mind. Uh, My son said, Dad, get your windows tinted. He he was going to get his windows tinted. I said, how much? And he told me how much. I said, okay, thank you. (laughs) We good, we good. But sometimes you'll see people driving in their cars, and the tent on their window is so dark, they don't want you to see them. We know they're there because the car's running. We know they're there because they pulled off. We know they're there because they turned left or they turned right. But they can see us, but we can't see them. That's what the shelter of the invisible protection of God is like for us. He, they can, we can see them. We can see the enemy, but they can't see us. Because we are protected by the hedge of God, who is our refuge, who is our place of shelter. The invisible of God conceals what God wants protected from the enemy because it, it belongs to him. It's his shelter. It belongs to God's property. You can't just come up in here and do whatever you want to do to God's children. We belong to Him, and so it's His shelter. He is the shelter, and therefore, to get to me, you got to go through Him. Got to go through Him. What God does, it means to. What does it mean to dwell in the secret place of El Shaddai? What does it mean? The word dwell or live or reside is the same word that is used in John chapter 5, verse 7, where John chapter 15, verse 7, said, If you abide in me, Deacon McBride, I said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, that's his scripture, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done if you live in me, dwell in me, reside in me, stay close to me if you cultivate an intimate relationship with me, you will ask what you will because you'll know what to ask because you know how I think. You know how I, you know how I roll. And so he says, how, what does it mean to dwell? It means to abide in him. To be intimate with the Lord means that you are into him, you see. To be intimate with the Lord means you are into me, you see, that he is your priority, that he is the most important relationship. I want you to understand, until a man and a woman has prioritized their intimate relationship with the God, God, they're not ready to be a husband. They're not ready to be a wife. God has to be the most important. That's why Jesus said, unless you hate your father and your mother, your sister and your brother, and yes, even yourself, he doesn't say that you literally should he means that until you love them less, and, and my love for you, your love for me seems so much greater that you no longer love them. That the priority relationship, because when my when my vertical relationship with God is right, my horizontal relationship will be right. That's why the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship one with another. I will know how to be a good husband. I will know how to be a good wife. I will know how to be an obedient kid. I will know how to serve God because my relationship with him I'm loving him with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. I'm prioritizing him. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and what and his righteousness. And God said, all of these things, I'll line it up for you. It means to abide, abide. That's how we hide. We have to abide. We have to abide. Now watch this. The closer I am to God, the more secure I am in him. Say say that to somebody. The closer I am to the Lord, the more secure I am in him. Now, imagine my wife was telling me about this dream. I'm not going to tell you what she told me, but she was scared until she heard me say it's going to be all right. Somehow in that dream, when she heard her husband say it's going to be all right, it was no longer frightening. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah, 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 Christ strong. (laughs) Even in our dreams, Christ strong. So imagine you being chased, and the assailant that is coming after you has a weapon, and you can see them. And the only thing that you can do is run. You're going to run to a place that you consider a shelter, a refuge, a place where you can be protected. And so that makes, for us, you run to your home, and you get inside, and you close the door. Level one of security, you're inside your house, you close the door, but somehow this joker kicks the door in, and now they're inside. They're still pursuing you. So the second level of security is you call 911, and they're coming, they're going to ask you all kinds, of, how's he breathing? What color does he have on? How tall is he? Did it look like he ate breakfast or lunch or dinner today? And so, but as you're making this call, you can hear the person getting closer to you. And so the third level of defense, you know you got a weapon you know, license to carry, whatever, you find your your license to carry, but as you're thinking about when this dude was chasing you, he had on a full bulletproof vest, a helmet, so your little thing, your little (laughs) weapon, and so you know that that's not going to protect you, so final fourth, highest level protection, you go to your safe room, your safe room, anybody know what a safe room is? Look at the movie. You'll find out. You climb up, get your safe room. You lock that thing behind you. There's medical. Person, you know that they can't get it. And then somehow they got your combination, and they're opening up the door to your safe room. And now they're inside the safe room, and they're standing right in front of you. They got their weapon drawn and the trigger locked, but somehow... Even though you went through level one, level two, level four, and you're in a place where they should kill you, they don't kill you because they can't see you. They're right in front, but they can't see you. I want you to understand that the closer you get to God, all of these things may fail you, but when you're in the presence of the God who is the secret place of your tabernacle, the enemy will not even be able to see you because the Lord will protect that which belongs to him. Standing right in front of you, smell their bad breath, but they can't even see you because you are in his presence. You are dwelling in the presence of the Lord. You have learned the closer you get to the Lord, even when I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I have learned to be in the presence of the Lord. I am dwelling in the secret place of this tabernacle in the midst of my dying hour. And that's why death is only a shadow. What can death do to me? Paul said, I'm caught between two opinions. If I die, it's better because it's gain because I'm going to be in, in, with Christ. He said to live is, to, to die is Christ and to live, to die, to live is, is yeah, to die is gain. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Intimacy with him. The closer I get to him, the more secure I am. From the enemy If you can just think about times when you go back, and I remember times when I, I got to some place just as a crime had occurred, or just before it occurred, I was pulling off, or somebody was uh, uh, pers- uh, uh, intending to harm me. And something changed their mind. And later on, they say, you know what? I didn't like you. I want to do everything I could to make your life hard. And then something changed. God made, made, gave my, caused my enemies to be at peace with me. Now, how do you know when you find the hiding place in times of trouble? How do you know when you're hearing the bad news? when you're watching what's going on in CNN and it breaks your heart to see these Palestinian children and incubators outside and amputations without, medic, without anesthesia and, and all of the horrible things, how do you know? What, what, what do those poor people do when, when they're having these situations? You can pray this prayer over them, but it's not going to take the fear away. Well, what I'm saying is they can still find a hiding place in the midst of their suffering when they understand that hiding place is not a a physical location, but it's in him. It's in him. If you can just get connected to God in the midst of your struggle. Now, how do you know? The first thing that will help you know is, uh, he says in verse two, I'm sorry, let's look at that. He says, I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. The first thing that, you, that will help you to know that you are in the, in, in, you have found the hiding place is you will choose to be there. Mm-hmm. Dwelling in the protective presence of the, high, of the Most High is a choice. A shelter is only protection for those who get under it. It's a choice. It's a choice. You must make the Lord your refuge. And it's based on your desire to mom, remain under shadow. He said that I will remain under the shadow of your wing. You have to choose to allow to be the Lord to be your shelter when you're afraid, when you're filled with anxiety and stress. I choose to find my peace in Him. Paul said it this way. He says, "Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And what? And the peace of God." The shelter, the peace of God shall guard your heart through Christ Jesus. I make a decision. I want you to understand the shelter, the protection that gives you rest in the time of storm. It's a choice. It's conditioned. It's available, but you've got to choose to come under the the wing of the protective wing of the Lord. I'm running to him. And so it's a choice. It's a choice. He said, I will, I will. I will. I am under the shadow of his wing. It's a choice. Uh, David said it like this in Psalm 4, chapter, verse 8. He says, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for, for you alone, Lord, makes me dwell in safety. The Lord, you alone, you alone causes me to dwell in safety. Here's the second thing that's needed, and when you want to get into the presence of the Lord, when you're feeling afraid, when you don't know how to respond to what the doctors just said, when you don't know how to respond to that bill that you, you owe, when you feel that people are trying to intimidate you, your back is up against the wall, and your emotions are out, out of control, you're not able to sleep, you're not able to eat, you're not able to get your focus right, here's what you need to do. Here's the second thing you do. Communication is required. He said, I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge. I'm going to communicate to God out of desperation. I, it looks like I'm going down for the last time. I don't see my way out. And you say weeping in the door for a night, but I seem like my night has been, a long, has been long and it doesn't. I don't see the, the joy that's coming in the morning. But in the midst of all of that, I will say, I will say, the Lord is my refuge. Yes, is. Communication is needed. Communication, communication. When we know, that we are in a safe place and secure place. One of the ways that we communicate is this is, a form, this is a form of praise. I'm not waiting until the battle's over. I'm shouting right now, you are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my hiding place. And sometimes the only way I can claim that is because he's always been faithful. He was there back then. The God I'm talking about is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? Jesus was leaving the city of Jericho in Mark chapter 10, and the Bible doesn't say that the miracle worker, Jesus, p- performed any miracles in Jericho. So as he is leaving this cursed city, Jericho is a cursed city, Jesus is leaving. The Bible said that a, a blind man <laughs> began to communicate. <laughs> But he wasn't sophisticated about it. He didn't have any church etiquette. He wasn't trying to be polite and and, and, and fit in. The Bible says he'd been the crowd. Thy son of David, thy son of David, and, 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 his, and his deacons, and I'm not talking about our deacons, but the leaders, and said, "You better shut up. We're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to get to the Eagles football game. You better be quiet and, and get yourself under order. We don't act like that in this church." And he kept us in the. The more they said, "Shut up," the more he kind of made a point of communicating. I'm going to get through. I need this. I need a shelter in the time of storm. I need something to protect me from this blindness that is preventing me from becoming everything that God wants me to be. And Jesus stopped the presses. And he said, come, come, come. But in order for Jesus to stop, communication had to occur. Some of us are looking for shelter. Some of us are looking for peace. Some of us are trying to, I know you keep on taking those pills. You keep on going, go to your therapist, praise God, thank God for. But ultimately, you better communicate with the Lord. The the psalmist said, I will say, are you desperate enough in the midst of all that's going on? I don't know what I'd do if I wasn't a Christian. My goodness. You are my refuge, not the government, not the politicians, not the, oh, God, the Republican, the Democrats. No, God, you are. You are my dwelling place. I'm hiding in you. I'm allowing you to cover me. With the shelter of your almighty wing. There'll be communication. There'll be a choice. But there'll also be concentration. He said, the Lord is my refuge. I see Goliath. But God is bigger than my Goliath. The writer to the Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus the author in the finisher of our faith, looking beyond the test and seeing Jesus. Peter said, is that you on the water, Jesus? Jesus said, yeah, that's me walking on the water. He said, bid me to come. I want to come and see if I can walk on the water. And Jesus said, come, Peter. She stepped out of the boat. He's walking on water. He, oh, man, I, he ain't break walking or moon walking all that. He's walking on water. This is a miracle. No one has ever done this before. And Peter started looking to the left and to the right, he felt the wind, heard the waves, he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. In the midst of your storm, the way we stay in the shelter is to concentrate on him who is greater than any storm, greater than any problem, greater than any circumstances, greater than my my unbelief. Focus on Jesus. But in order to focus on him, you need to know what God is like. He is a refuge in a time of trouble. Concentrate on him. Communicate with him. Choose to be under the shelter. And finally, confidence is necessary. When, When I'm in the shelter, I'm going to have confidence. He said, my God in him, I will trust. I will trust. I will trust. Job, in a, in, a, in a matter of 24 hours, he went from riches to rags. Mm-hmm. Ten of his children died on the same day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as he's receiving that report, another uh, of his workers comes in. He says, I'm the only one to survive all of your trucking business. Dow Jones just wiped it out. <laughs> the stock market just crashed on you. You broke Job. Job didn't curse God. Next thing, the devil said, oh, okay, Jobus, yeah, yeah, he's a bad Christian. Yeah, he said, but let me touch his body. Come on. And then he said, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. So, Lord, allow in this test for Job, and we all, the Bible says God doesn't tempt any of us, but he tests us. He shows us through our test where we are. I know you thought you were all of that. I love Jesus. I praise the Lord today. you see me do my Holy Ghost steps? I went from side. I ain't never do that in church before. I actually had my Bible in church today. But then you get tested when you leave here. I don't know if I'm coming back and they're going to be doing road construction. I might get a nail in my tire. I might get mud on my tires. Job, Job, the Bible said, though he slay me, his confidence wasn't shaped. He said, though he slays me, though I am suffering by permission of God, yet will I continue to trust him. I will continue to trust him. And here's what I like. He said, he said, he said, but I will also continue to question him. God never says that as I'm trusting him, we can't question. That's, that's in Job chapter 13, verse 15. James chapter uh, 1, verse 5 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberty and he it, He doesn't hold back. God don't have no problem with our questions. Even if you don't ask him, he knows you thinking it. But even in his questions, his confidence in God, he said, yet will I trust him? When I continue to trust God in the midst of my struggle, I know that I'm abiding in the presence of the Lord. That's what I'm talking about, learning how to get into the presence of the Lord. That's where there's safety. That's where they say, I I, want to, when I die, I want to go to heaven. But the best thing about heaven is not the streets of gold and and, and the doors that are made up. No, no, no. The best thing about heaven is that Jesus is there. Jesus is there. I want to see Jesus. Now, why should we run to the hiding place? Let me, let me run on. It is a place of deliverance from the traps of people that, that people set for us. He says, he says, surely he shall deliver me, verse 3, from the snare of the fowler. He shall deliver me. That's an, uh, the imagery is this. A fowler is a person who traps, sets traps or snares for birds for capture or kill. And so he says, the reason I want to run to God as my shelter is because I have people who set traps for me. I have people who have me on three-way call but don't tell me that there's a third person listening. I have people who are, preview, who are recording my conversation, but don't tell them that they're me they're recording my conversation. I have people who are taking pictures that I, that I, that I should never have sent when I was stupid and, and young and immature and carnal that they still have, and they're using it for blackmail. Oh, you trying to get that job? You know what I can do with those pictures. Oh, it's getting kind of quiet up in here.. These are TMZers, people who secretly meet before the meeting who deliberately to plot against you, to destroy you. And so he says, you are my deliverer. They have set a trap for me, for, their, for my destruction, but he said, I will make your enemies your footstool. Here's the problem. Dave said, if it had been somebody other than my friends, these are people I go to church with, people that I've shared my confidences with, people who know where the bones are buried. But he said, "I will run to God, who is my hiding place, because He will deliver me out of the hands of those who set traps for me." It is also a place where sickness, where sickness caused by plague, does not have a final word. He shall deliver me from pestilence or the, a perilous pestilence. That means He delivers us from deadly, deadly diseases. What that means is, whatever disease God does not remove when I pray about it, the disease does not have the final say. Amen. Job said, and let me read this. This is good. I know. In Job chapter 9, it says, For I know my Redeemer lives. And I shall stand in the la- in the last and I shall stand at last on the earth, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, that is decay and worms and sickness, he said, this I know that in my, my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns for within. He's saying, even if this disease takes me, as his wife said, Joe, why don't you curse God and die? Even if I die, it's not the end because I shall see God for myself in my flesh. What flesh? This Not this corruptible flesh. Not this flesh that had boils and, and, and terminal disease. But when I go, the Bible says, when I die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Sickness does not have the final word. Yet shall I see God. I'm going to, he's saying, I'm yearning for the day when this corruptible body shall be made into incorruption, and this mortal body shall take on immortality. I'm yearning for that day. My sickness and my trial doesn't have the final word. Aren't you glad about that? We know how it's going to end. We win. Somebody say, we win. I'm on the winning team. It is a place of protective covering. God covers me by the shadow of his wings. To get to me, you got to get to God. And that's a whole nother. I can tell you times when, when people could not get to me because God, God has always had my back and he has your back. Somebody says it's a dangerous thing to mess with God's children. Jesus said it would be better for you to be at the bottom of a lake with a millstone tied around your neck, drowning, than for you to touch the least of my little ones. Don't mess with God's kids. It's a place of protection and covering. It's a place of rest and trust. He said under his wings you will take refuge. His trust shall be your shield and buckler You can have rest as you witness the truth of God's promise. What happens when I'm resting in God, I get to witness that every promise that God makes, it comes to pass. In the midst of my storm, I'm on the airplane, and there's turbulence, but I'm not feeling any rain. There's no lightning. I'm still able to go above. I'm able to rise with wings of eagles mounting up above. Somebody say amen. Say amen. 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 We almost died. Now, how do you know? when you are dwelling in the, in, in, the, in the hiding place, who is God? How do you know? I'm glad you asked. He talks about in verses uh, five through the end of the chapter about threats. Threats. How many of you know that a threat is not something that actually happens? It could happen. We used to call it wolf tickets. The people telling you what they're going to do and how they're going to get you. These are all threats that he describes. He says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrows that fly by the day. Remember, a threat is not an actual attack. He's describing physical attacks that can potentially happen at any time from the outside, the arrows that come by day and the attacks that, come up, that can happen physically that keep us on, I ain't going out, something might happen. Somebody might not want, you know, they might steal my car if I don't lock it up with a, you know, no, no. So these are physical attacks that can happen outside of you. Are you controlled by so much fear that it dictates what you will or won't do? Because things outside of you, arrows, arrows, and attacks, external. He says, these, he, he talks about threats that are from within. He said, living in torment, uh, uh, nor of the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor in destruction that lay waste at night. So he's talking about the fear of illness, of sickness. That's internal. Things that torment your mind. Things that keep you awake at night. Things that you think psychosomatic stuff. You think you got it, and because you think you do, now you do. So this is internal. So there's outside stuff. How do you handle that? Are you terrorized? There's inside stuff. I'm afraid I'm going to get this disease. I ain't touching that. I ain't touching that. COVID, I ain't never coming back to church. Are you afraid inside? And then he talks about threats that are not only outside of you, inside of you, but beside you. He says, these are, he says, but they are, uh, he says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only your eyes shall look at them, and you will see the reward. He said, you're going to see these. They're right beside you. This is stuff that could actually take place. So there's stuff that's beside you. There's stuff outside of you. There's stuff inside you. How do you respond? Your emotions is the greatest barometer of whether or not you are abiding in the secret place. Are your emotions controlled by the Holy Spirit? Are you operating out of terror and and you have a paralysis because of it? What has God told you to do that you're not doing because you're afraid of what may happen outside or what's happening on the inside and what's happening beside you? Run to your hiding place. Run to your hiding place. As you look around and you consider all that God is allowing right now, stand with me. Stand with me. There's so much more. You're going to shut it down. Shut it down. Ugh. Shut it down. that we have a hiding place and the ultimate hiding place where we will be sheltered ultimately from all danger, from all harm is not in this world. Paul said, if this earthly tabernacle, if this earthly tabernacle, if this body is caused to be shut down, he said, I have a building in heaven that is not made by hands, that is made by God. So for those who are suffering right now, as we look around the world, for some of them, because of sin that is in the world, that tabernacle, that safe place where they ultimately will find themselves in the presence of the Lord will not happen this side of heaven. But the good news is that we don't have to wait into heaven to feel safe and secure. We can rest in him. Are you willing to rest in him? Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to declare that the Lord is my refuge? Say the Lord. Lord. I didn't hear you. The Lord Lord. is my refuge refuge. and my strength. In him I trust. Amen. Amen.